What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition, a special edition of B-Shape Daily, as it's the evening of Saturday, September 24th. I almost forgot the month there. September 24th, 2022. And we're here today to do our week three NFL picks. Going against the spread, we'll make reference to the totals, the over-unders. I'm not in a pool where I do over-unders, but I think it would be interesting to track year long and, and force myself to pick a total on each game as well. So maybe I'll start with that this week. I haven't done that for the first couple of weeks. You can scroll back in your B-Shape Daily podcast feed if you're interested in checking out how I did on the old picks, but not very timely. So I'm going to try in the future to start getting these out a little earlier in the week, but want to continue to be uh, accountable to what my picks are, first of all. And actually going through this process helps me to finalize my picks. Sometimes I change them at the last minute when I see things on there as I talk through these games that maybe I hadn't thought of before. So it's a good exercise for me, but hopefully you enjoy it as well. And maybe the ultimate goal, we can find some winners. Was not the case last week. Went 6-10 and 10 on the picks. We'll break down 15 games tonight because, again, we missed the Thursday night game this week. Got that one wrong last week. Got it wrong again this week. I had the Steelers plus 4.5 at Cleveland. And, boy, I think... For Pittsburgh, I don't know how stubborn Mike Tomlin's going to want to be with that quarterback situation, but it may be that they need to go to the rookie, Kenny Pickett, sooner rather than later. With Trubisky, I think your upside is just captain that offense, and it is a shame when you see the talent that they have on the outside. Deontay Johnson is a legitimate number one wide receiver for a competitive NFL team. Uh, Chase Claypool has a ton of talent. He is kind of a knucklehead a little bit at times in his past, doesn't have the football sense that you maybe would like from play in, play out. But how about George Pickens as well? Saw him make a ridiculous catch on Thursday night. The rookie wide receiver out of Georgia. I think he's going to be a really good one at the NFL level. Reminded you of Odell Beckham and the catch that he made all those years ago with what he did against Cleveland on Thursday. But that did come in a losing effort. And so right off the top, I'm 0-1 for the week. But we'll run down these other 15 games and maybe see what I'm able to come up with as we do our picks for NFL Future weeks, guys, I might try to do some college football stuff as well, but after that Mizzou game today, I also could go the other direction and swear off college football forever because that was the single worst loss I've ever seen. I don't know if I'll have the emotional energy to do a, a sole Mizzou podcast this week, but if you're a masochist and a Mizzou fan and you'd like to hear me rant for 15 minutes or so, which inevitably would turn into 30 on the Tigers and their loss on Saturday Shoot me a DM at bshafer12 on Twitter, and if a couple people tell me, I'll probably end up doing it maybe later on in the weekend. But for now, we're sticking with the NFL, and for the season, my picks, and I'm tracking them via the pool that I'm in, my picks for the year at 15 and 17, so a little bit below 500. That's not where you want to be. That's not in the money if you're betting on all these games. So let's try to have a good week here and get back into the green. Real quick, though, just want to remind you guys to subscribe to Be Shafe Daily if you haven't done so before. If you're a Cardinals baseball fan, especially, that would be something I would recommend because that is what the majority of what we do here at Be Shafe Daily. So definitely check that out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. And hit up the Patreon if you like my content, patreon.com slash bshafer12. Appreciate you guys for being here. Let's go ahead and jump right into the games this week, beginning with, just going to roll right down the screen here, New Orleans at Carolina, the Saints taking on the Panthers, and in this one, the Saints are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, and I'm going to have a hard time, almost no matter who they're playing, no matter what the point spread is, betting on a Matt Rule team to succeed in 2022. 
I feel like he's got to be the first NFL head coach fired. I don't know what the odds on that are, but I'd take him for Matt Rule. Uh, he, he doesn't know what he's doing there in Carolina. He's got good weapons like DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. They haven't really used him a lot in the first two games, at least to what I would normally expect to see of CMC. It's almost like they're afraid to get him hurt again. But if that's the way you play with it and you don't let him be the weapon that he can be on the field, you're not going to win very many games in Carolina. So for as much as I don't have a ton of confidence in a Jameis Winston-led offense, I think the Saints have probably a comparable defense, maybe even a little better than Carolina. They do have to go on the road for this game, but I feel like I feel more comfortable with the Saints. And it's not even a field goal margin here, just two and a half points. So give me New Orleans on the road in this game. I I do believe the passing weapons for New Orleans are going to look pretty good by season's end. When you think about the resurgent Mike Thomas, you think about Chris Olave, the rookie out of Ohio State, and Alvin Kamara, if he can get back healthy, he's an important part of that passing game as well. And they've even got Jarvis Landry too. So I feel like offensively, the Saints can just do a little bit more than what Carolina's going to be able to provide. That being said, the over-under on this one, 41 points at DraftKings. I have a hard time. You know, I feel like the Saints could get to about 24 points in this game. And so it feels like it's about spot on. Carolina maybe gets to 17, which would be an exact push. I'm going to say over, though, if you're pinning my feet to the fire, and we will do that here on each and every game. Hard to find a feel for totals, but when you talk yourself through the totals and then you can see what you got right and maybe what you got wrong in future weeks, it helps you to sort of find that center of gravity for these games, I think. So I'm going to make myself do that. I'm going to say over on this game. I think it's because the Saints offense can get there, and the Panthers aren't going to score no points. Baker Mayfield hasn't looked great, but they're going to get 17, 20 points in this game, and that should be enough to maybe tip the scales toward the over, a pretty low over at just 41 points. Looking up and down the board, that's the second lowest number in the NFL this week. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over on that, or I should say third lowest. I didn't look at the Monday night game involving the Cowboys and the Giants. We'll get to that one at the end. But I'm taking over 41, and I'll go Saints minus 2.5 to kick us off here on B-Shape Daily. Next game on our board is the Chicago Bears hosting the Houston Texans. I mentioned low totals, and here's another one between the Bears and Texans. 39 at DraftKings Sportsbook for the total on this game, and that might be an example where I do like the under. I have yet to see much out of Justin Fields in this offense in a passing variety to believe that they're going to be able to move the ball down the field efficiently and effectively to score in this game. The Houston Texans, to their credit, have had a pretty good defense through two weeks. They held Indianapolis to 20 points in week one. That was the 20-20 to tie following the overtime period. And then they lost this past week to Denver, but 16-9 to was the score in that game. So they even held down the Russell Wilson Broncos offense once again. So I'm leaning a little bit on the defenses in this game, believing that it's going to be a close one. That being said, I think the Bears do have enough moxie at home to win this game and the three points doesn't really scare me off of Chicago so for a final score I should just give a final score in every game too why not in that first game between the Saints and Panthers I think I'll go Saints 24 Panthers 20 which clears it for the Saints and for the over in that game and in this one I like the Bears minus three I don't think it's going to be much more than that though for Chicago but it's going to be probably a game where the the field goal kickers do have to get involved and maybe a little bit more than Chicago Bears fans want. I'm going to go 19 for the Bears and 13 for the Texans. I think it's an ugly game, and Chicago comes out on top with that home field advantage there. Moving down the board to our next game on the list was one that we probably thought would be pretty high scoring and pretty exciting before the season began between the Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts, but now that Colts offense, after getting blanked by Jacksonville last week, I'm not so sure 
what Matt Ryan's going to be able to do against a Chiefs defense that, frankly, has looked pretty good to me. Of the two units, offense, defense for the Chiefs this year, I've been more impressed by Kansas City on the defensive side of the ball. And they, in this game against the Colts on Sunday, are five-and-a-half-point favorites. It had gone six-and-a-half, and now it's down to five-and-a-half at DraftKings Sportsbook. And I'm looking Chiefs. I, I don't know about that line movement back toward the Colts in this one. I get it. Indianapolis is at home, and that may be a little bit of a tricky situation for the Chiefs offensively. They didn't look great in the Chargers game, right? If they don't get that 99-yard pick six, Kansas City probably does not beat the Chargers on Thursday night last week. But they did get that play. They are 2-0, and and I just haven't been impressed enough by the Colts to think they're going to be able to hold things down, even though their defense has been okay. I mean, you held Jacksonville to 24. That's not a huge accomplishment held Houston to 20. So they haven't played very good offenses so far, and they're still letting those teams score at least into the 20-point range. So against Kansas City, I think it's going to be a different story. Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator for the Colts, was with the Raiders last year, and he talked this week answering questions from reporters about how his teams in the past have held down Patrick Mahomes to a decent degree. And then you look at the scores from last year. The Chiefs hung 40 on the Raiders in both times they played Las Vegas in that season. I don't understand what Gus Bradley's looking at, if they try to play that single high safety look against Mahomes instead of the cover two shell defense that a lot of teams have been playing with the two two high safeties, I just don't really know if that's going to work out for the Colts. So I'm thinking Chiefs in this game. I'm thinking the moderately big, the over-under, the total at 50 and a half points. I don't know if that one really is going to quite go over. But at the end of the day, I am taking the Patrick Mahomes offense to get it there. So I'm going to say it barely goes over. Chiefs 31, Colts 20 as Kansas City rolls off to a 3-0 start, and I will take them minus the 5.5. Then we've got maybe the most interesting game of the week to me. It's the Buffalo Bills, who look like the best team in the AFC and, and probably, therefore, the NFL right now. At Miami, who had that big comeback against the Ravens last week, to a tongue of Iloa, six touchdown passes. Tyreek Hill, superstar. Jalen Waddle looking like a superstar as well. That offense has some juice to it, especially if two is able to throw the ball accurately downfield the way that he did last week. In this matchup, though, you've got the Dolphins hosting the Bills, which makes it a little bit interesting. The Bills are only four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. In my pick contest, I took the Dolphins plus the five-and-a-half, but if you change it to four-and-a-half, as DraftKings has done, I'm a little bit leery of that. But I think that this is going to be a little bit of a struggle for Josh Allen and the Bills. I think going on the road to a team that's feeling itself right now with the Dolphins, this might be the first time offensively that the Bills show a little bit of struggle in terms of having signs of resistance against them. Like the Rams, the Titans, neither of those teams have really held Josh Allen in any regard. And you should get Gabe Davis back for this game as well to pair with Stefan Diggs on the outside. That being said, I just think it's going to be a little bit of a clunky one. I think the Bills end up getting the win, but I feel more comfortable covering with the Dolphins on this one. Four and a half points are at home. I think it ends up being a field goal margin. The total is 53. I think it doesn't get there. I, like I said, I think if it's going to get to 53, it needs to be the Bills contributing pretty heftily offensively as well. Like the Dolphins obviously can do it. They showed it last week. But I just don't know if that's going to be the game script. Like you don't want to necessarily, even though it worked for them last week, if you're the Dolphins, I don't think you want to get into a shootout with Buffalo the way you were comfortable doing it with the Ravens last week. I just don't know if that's the way that Miami gets it done. So they're going to play some solid defense. They might not play quite as much run and gun because that sort of plays into the hands of Buffalo and Josh Allen. I'm looking for Miami to keep it within that three or four point range, but I'm going to go Buffalo 27, Miami 24. Field goal range, they lose it by three, but 51 is the number that it hits, 
and that's not good enough for the over 53. So that's where I stand on this one. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins and the under. Moving on now to a game that's going to be important for the Minnesota Vikings, back within the division playing against the Detroit Lions. They host Detroit this week. Coming off of that game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night where the Vikings just did not look good. You know, week one, you saw that offense and thought this is the next Sean McVay type of offense in the NFL. Ah, I should have known better. Kirk Cousins in primetime didn't see it that way, and they kind of fell flat in week two against Philly. Now you host a pretty forgiving Lions defense. I think it's going to be a bounce-back week for Minnesota. As far as the points here, DraftKings has it at six. My pick'em has it at five and a half. The Vikings are favored in both cases. And I still, either way, am going with the Vikings in this one. I do think you're at risk of a backdoor cover here by Detroit because that is the Jared Goff special. That Lions team doesn't ever have the, the quid in them. They continue to fight till the very end. But I just think Justin Jefferson's going to be too much for him. And I think Dalvin Cook's going to finally get out and make some plays in this game as well. I'm looking for the over just barely because of that ability by the Lions to cover through the back door. They don't quite squeak through, but it is enough to get the over 52 and a half. I'm going Minnesota 31, Detroit Lions 23 to get to 54 points. Hits the over and the Vikings come up with the cover and the win within the NFC North. Then you've got the Ravens heading to New England to take on the Patriots. The Ravens off that really difficult loss against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they had Miami on the ropes. Lamar Jackson was ridiculous in that first half and early in the second half. And then from there, it was all Tua. So I don't really know how the Ravens are going to respond in this game. They're playing a defense in New England that is pretty difficult. They're tough. They're stout. They held down the Steelers in week two. Granted, we saw that not necessarily be too big of an accomplishment with the way the Steelers played in Week 3 on Thursday night, but you know that historically Bill Belichick has good defense in New England, and through two games, they've allowed just 34 points, so that's 17 games, or pardon me, 17 points per game allowed by the Patriots' defense. I feel like that number's going to have to go up, though, this week. They'll have a game plan for Lamar Jackson, but there's only so much you can do, right, to hold down. Lamar Jackson, you can't take him out of the game completely. He'll beat you with his arm. He'll beat you with his legs. I think that's what he ends up doing in New England. Again, I'm going to find myself losing some money if the Patriots end up being good this year because I just continue to fade them. I'm just not very confident in their offense's ability to get things done. And when they play superior offenses, I think it's going to be a problem. They lost to the Dolphins week one, 20-7. That Dolphins offense is probably pretty good. So credit to the Patriots for holding them to only 20 points. That being said, to score just seven against Miami, and then they only come up with 17 against the Steelers this past week, they're just fortunate that Pittsburgh doesn't have a very adept offense either. That's just not going to work. You're not going to beat the Ravens by scoring only 20 points, and that's why I'm also liking the over in this game because the total is just at 44, and this could be a total and complete trap if New England comes out and shuts down Lamar Jackson, just has one of those games where it's not working, and you end up having a clunky kind of 17-14 game again the way the Pats and Steelers had last weekend. I just don't think it's going to be that way. I trust Lamar Jackson enough to respond after the performance uh, last week. Again, not a bad performance by Lamar, but I think he's going to be extra motivated after his defense sort of coughed things up after his excellent job to build that lead against Miami. So I'm taking the Ravens in this game. The 44-point total, I think it's going to sneak over that just narrowly. Give me Baltimore 27 New England, see, that being said, now I'm talking through it. I don't think I can get New England to, yeah, I can, 27-20, because that's going to be a game at home where the Patriots, I don't think they get held to 17. But like I said, you're not going to beat the Ravens by scoring 20, and I don't think Patriots get above it. So 27-20, 
I'll take the Baltimore Ravens in that one. Actually, make it 26-20. Ravens 26, New England 20. I think there's a missed extra point. Something weird that happens in New England there. Uh, Just feels like it could be kind of one of those weird games. But it is enough for the Ravens to cover the two-and-a-half-point spread on DraftKings on the road, and the over does clear by just a couple of points. This next one on the board is tricky for me. The Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. We have seen Joe Flacco play very well so far this season. They got their win last week over the Browns. That was an impressive comeback that really, if Nick Chubb just doesn't go into the end zone to score his third touchdown, the Jets would not have gotten an opportunity to win that game. They could have just iced the clock talking about the Browns there, but it happened the way that it did, and Flacco and company took advantage. Now they're hosting a Bengals team that just defensively up front, I just don't know how much I can trust that line to protect Joe Burrow. That being said, it could be kind of a shootout sort of game with Joe Flacco proving that he can move the ball down the field. He's got weapons. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, uh, Corey Davis has looked good. Tyler Conklin, the tight end, has gotten involved. They've got two good running backs in Michael Carter and rookie Brees Hall. So the Jets offense like might be kind of decent. I don't love having to pick this one against the spread. I am very much in on the over 45, though. I think that's the way to play this game if you're going to. Because the Jets have proven, like, whether it's garbage time, whether it's a legit comeback and they can win the game, the Jets are going to be able to put some points on the board this year, which hadn't been the case in the past. Uh, The Bengals' defense, I mean, they just got beaten by Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. That was kind of a disappointment for them. They're 0-2 now to start the season. That Super Bowl hangover sort of proving to be a thing for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're favored by six in this game. I just don't know what the way they've played so far, if I can trust that. But here's the way that it happens. It happens by Jamar Chase and T. Higgins just going berserk. If the Jets can't get the pass rush, yeah, maybe the the offensive line woes won't matter as much. And if they give Joe Burrow time, he's going to carve him up. That's all the more reason, though, for me to like the over. I say the Bengals win the game. I just don't know that I can take a team that's 0-2, that's looked like since he has, if I'm giving up six points on the road. It just... It just kind of goes against what I like to do uh, in terms of sports wagering. So I'm taking the Jets plus the six points. That being said, when it comes to the final score, I'm still looking Cincy's direction. I think it's going to be kind of another shootout where the Jets defense has proven that they'll they'll let teams score on them. I'm going Bengals 30. I think it's a good day for Joe Burrow. So give me Bengals 30, Jets 27 in a game that hits way over the total and uh, ends up kind of salvaging things for the Bengals for the the interim just because they're able to get their first win to get on the board that way. So total of 45, I'm going way over. Give me 30-27 in sort of a weird shootout in New Jersey with the Jets taking the cover but not the win. Moving down the line to a game I have no idea what to do with between the Raiders and the Tennessee Titans. This one is in Nashville. Both of these teams have underperformed to this point in the season. The Raiders lose their opener to the Chargers. That was a tough AFC West game back when we thought maybe both those teams could be playoff contenders. And then the Raiders dropped that game to the Cardinals last weekend after having them on the ropes. They were way up on Arizona at home, and Las Vegas could not get the job done. That was a surprising collapse to me that makes me wonder you know, how good this Raiders team really could be. Even though they added Devontae Adams, they beefed up the defense. I don't know. I've been disappointed with them through two weeks. Two opportunities to try and win a close game, and they lose them both. Tennessee, though, has looked just ridiculously bad. Like, if we're basing things on... What the teams have done so far, there's no way I could pick Tennessee to win this game. That being said, though, it is at home. And I like Mike Rabel as a coach. I've continued to say this even as they've looked brutal. Like, he was not prepared. That team was not prepared for what Josh Allen brought to the table on Monday night in just a a blowout game that was over by the middle of the third quarter. They were taking the starters out on both sides. 
that's the team that had the best record in the AFC last year, Tennessee. I know they lost A.J. Brown, but there are more problems for this offense than what they've seen in terms of a lack of a downfield passing game. So I think it's got to be a Derrick Henry show, though. And if it's against anybody else but the Raiders, I may not feel great about Tennessee this week. But they're at home. They're historically a pretty solid team at home. Last year, they were solid all around. Again, best record in the AFC. I don't think they're so far removed from that. But if they lose this game to the Raiders, you may really see things start to take a turn for the worse in Tennessee. Malik Willis was the third-round quarterback they drafted. I mean, it could be total teardown time. This is kind of an important game for their season. You don't want to start off 0-3. Obviously, neither do the Raiders. But I just, on the road, I think that's a tough task for Las Vegas to get the job done. So, Despite the fact that in this game, the Raiders are actually favored, and it's two points right now at DraftKings. I'm going with the Titans. I think they win the game outright. The total is 45.5. That feels right about spot on. Uh, It's not going to be a super high-scoring game. Both defenses are capable, but that being said, the Titans didn't look too capable against Josh Allen last week. I think they have to get better defensively, though, if they're going to win this game, and since I'm picking them to do it, I can't necessarily think it's going to be a super high-scoring affair. So give me something close. Oh, boy, 23-20. Give me the Titans, 23-20. They win it outright. They're two-point underdogs, so that means I'm taking Tennessee in the two points. And I'm going to go under the 45-and-a-half. Moving down the board, we go next to the Eagles, who looked so good last week in their Monday night win over the Vikings. They go to Washington. It's the Carson Wentz revenge game. That commander's offense has been kind of kings of garbage time as well. But the other thing you got to consider with that group now is Jahan Donson, rookie wide receiver, looks good. You know you've got Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel back healthy. Like, that's two weeks in a row that he's produced. I feel like Carson Wentz has a very good complement of weapons right now, better than what he had last year in Indianapolis, I would say. And so far, so good for him. I know he's going to make some boneheaded decisions. And against Jalen Hurts, like, I just think it's going to be really difficult for them to win this game, even with the sort of backdoor stuff that they've been able to do in Washington this year by making those comebacks late. It's a seven-point, or pardon me, six-and-a-half-point. Eagles are the favorites in this game on the road. That offense is so good. That defense has been great. There's got to be some moxie in Carson Wentz, though. Like, I have it picked right now as the Eagles, but I'm really thinking about changing this one on the spot because on the road, like, if this game was in Philly, those fans would absolutely eat Carson Wentz alive, but he's going to have the ability to do it in his home stadium this time. I think it's going to be a weird game. I think maybe the Eagles offense doesn't have as much success as they were able to on Monday night. And if that is the case, then this one probably doesn't hit the over 47 and a half. It totally feels like these offenses could just go toe for toe, both get to 30 points, and it's just a a crazy one. But with the commanders playing at home, I know their defense has been bad, but I think they're going to be inspired. They're going to want to try to help Carson Wentz defeat his former team. I don't think they quite get it done, but six and a half at home, that's again, it's just like that Jets game. I feel like that's too many points. I think it's going to be a a game that the Eagles are in control of by the second half, but there might be some weirdness early. I'm counting on that to sort of get me there. And so I'm taking the commanders with this one. Like I said, I think it's going to be a little bit strange. I find it difficult to imagine that the Eagles aren't going to score at least like three touchdowns, but give me like Eagles. This is one of those games too, where the score is going to be weird. So I'm going to use that to my advantage when I pick it. Eagles 25 commanders. 22, I'm going to say 25-22, weird game, just barely ducks under the 47.5 point total. I'm taking the under just because I, and again, with the, the backdoor ability of these teams, I don't love the pick to go under there, but I'm just just zigging when you think you should zag because sometimes that obvious game that's just going to be a shootout doesn't end up coming to fruition, and maybe that's the one that 
ends up being the case in the NFL this week. So Commanders with the cover on the 6.5, and, and I'm going narrowly under the 47.5 point total. Jacksonville at the Chargers, and this is interesting because we don't really know whether or not we're going to see Justin Herbert in this game. That game against the Chiefs last week, he's had the extra days to prepare and heal up from the rib injury after what happened last Thursday night. That being said, he's listed as questionable, and the line moved significantly from about six, six and a half in favor of the Chargers at home against Jacksonville to down to three points is where it stands now. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that that kind of line movement doesn't happen, right, unless there's something going on behind the scenes. So, for me, I'm having a hard time with this one. I think I'm taking Jacksonville, though, because I don't think that Herbert's going to play just based on that line movement. Like, if he does, the Chargers, you're betting the Chargers and you're getting such a great deal with it. I'm betting that he's not in the game. He won't play based on that line movement. And that being said, Jacksonville just shut out the Indianapolis Colts last week. Their defense looks for real. Trevor Lawrence, I think he's finally out from under the shadow of Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson doing a good job with that team. I want to see a little bit more Travis Etienne this week, which might not happen if they're not trailing in the game because he's more of the passing back. James Robinson's going to be getting the workload if they're leading in the game. I just have a hard time picking the Chargers with the quarterback situation. So I'm going to actually pick Jacksonville outright to win the game, and they may end up favorites for the AFC South if they end up pulling this off. Uh, 42.5 over under, that seems about right. Again, that number comes way down because of likely no Justin Herbert. I'm going to I'm gonna take the under in this one as well. Give me Jacksonville 20, Chargers 17 in a game that Chase Daniel does his best to manage the game, but he, he doesn't have the upside of a Justin Herbert to put them over the top. Uh, bad weekend for Mizzou, so it might as well continue by Chase Daniel getting in the game but taking a loss for the Chargers. Down the board further we go, NFC West, Rams at Cardinals. Rams by 3.5 according to what I've got in the picks pool. Let's look and make sure that hasn't changed yet. Rams minus 3.5 on the road according to DraftKings. Uh, I just I easily take the Rams in this game. I don't trust the defense for the Cardinals. We saw them struggle in week one against the Chiefs. We saw them really struggle kind of against the Raiders in week two. It was just that big comeback by Kyler Murray. I don't trust that they're going to be able to do that against the Rams, though. Like, if they don't get up early, uh, the Rams are, are not going to let the Cardinals come back into the game the way that the Raiders did. I will say this, though. When the Rams get down early, it sort of seems as though they're down and out and you're not going to be able to to make that comeback. And, and historically, for Sean McVay Rams teams, that has sort of been the case. So if the Cardinals start fast, I could end up with egg on my face with this one. But I feel like the Rams are going to learn from the defensive mishaps they had last week, almost letting the Falcons come back and win that game. That was a brutal situation for Los Angeles. But the Rams, the offense, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, I, I think they've got some good weapons there besides the main guy with um, what they've got going on in Allen Robinson getting integrated. Tyler Higby looks reliable at the tight end spot. And I think Cam Akers is going to come along as well. He might make a difference this week. So three and a half points, just not enough for me. I do think that Kyler gets it going eventually. So that 48 and a half, I'm, I'm leaning over on that one. Give me Rams 27, Cardinals 23, just enough to clear the three and a half for the Rams. And it clears the over as well. 48 and a half and they get to 50. Falcons go to the Seahawks and... That Seattle team, 1-1, one one, they looked really good in that first game, at least defensively. And Geno Smith had his moments as well when they hosted the Russell Wilson-led Broncos in the opening week. I feel like this is an interesting spot for the Falcons because they have lost two games, sure, but they showed some fight in that Rams game last week. I feel like you lose too many more games, and then you start to think, okay, Desmond Ritter, is that the way they go at quarterback for the rest of the year? That'll start to be a question in Atlanta. They've got to get... 
Kyle Pitts involved in the offense. I hate what Arthur Smith said about we're not trying to play fantasy football here. We're worried about winning games. Listen, Art, you're not winning games either, so consider using your best wide receiver as a receiver. I know he's a tight end, but him blocking and you feeling good about having a blocking tight end is not going to get the Falcons more points, and points are what wins football games. So Atlanta, figure it out. I think they do, though, this week. They're underdogs by just one point. I like the Falcons to win on the road at Seattle outright. I know that's a little scary. You got the 12th man situation. I don't think they'll be as pumped up for this one as they were for Russell Wilson when he came to town on opening night. And that Geno Smith offense is maybe just a little bit limited. I like Tyler Lockett still. He had a big game last week. They got to get DK Metcalf involved down the field, though. If they can do that this week, I'll be wrong. But for me, the Falcons have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and they're kind of backs against the wall in this spot. So I like Atlanta to be able to pull this out. It's going to be kind of an ugly game. 42 is the total. I don't know if it quite gets to that either. But you're not leaving a lot of room there for margin, are you? I'm going to go Falcons 23 Seahawks 17, that's 40 points, so that means under the 42. I hope I'm wrong about the Seattle offense. I'd like to see them be good. Tyler Lockett's one of my favorite players, but I I need to see more from that running game in particular because Pete Carroll loves to run the football, so you know he's going to try it. If they're running the ball 20 times for 39 yards, that's not going to really get the job done. Uh, I think the Falcons, though, could have a bit of a testy run D where this time it's like a little easier for the Seahawks to run the football. So I don't know what we'll, we'll kind of see. I'm still going to stick with my original prediction of under 42, a little bit scared about that one, but I'm going with the Falcons plus the one. And I'm going to take them out right as well. 23, 17 over Seattle this week, three games to go. We moved to the 325 game between the two big quarterbacks, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Tom Brady. The Buccaneers are favored in this game. I don't really know how good I feel about that, though, because they are severely limited due to injuries and suspensions, for that matter. Mike Evans, out due to suspension. Chris Godwin, out due to injury. They're so desperate. They have elevated Cole Beasley from the practice squad for this game. He'll probably see targets from Brady as well. Brady likes the veteran players to be reliable. I just don't know how much I trust that offense. They looked really disjointed last week against the Saints. Tom Brady was throwing tablets around the field. He was upset. His barking and upset nature at the other side is what got Mike Evans involved, shoving Marshawn Lattimore. Like, Evans thought he was protecting his quarterback in doing that. It was a dumb decision because, now they don't have him against the Packers. But the Packers are without a lot of guys as well. They might be without Christian Watson. I believe Sammy Watkins is now on IR. Think about it is, though, the Packers receiving core, I don't really worry about that all too much because they weren't that good to begin with. Now it allows rookies like maybe Romeo Dobbs is supposedly going to have a bigger role, says Matt LaFleur this week. I love their running backs. I don't think even with a good run defense for Tampa, you can take A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both out of the game because of what they can do receiving the football. So it could be a little dink and dunk for Aaron Rodgers this week, but I think they go on the road and they get the win, and the Packers are catching a point and a half here, so I feel good about that one. It's going to be a weird game. Like, over-under is 42. Between those two quarterbacks, it just doesn't feel right. But at the end of the day, I think they probably find a way to get over that number just barely. Give me Packers 23, Bucks 20 and they find a way to clear that over under 42, and the Packers end up coming away with a big win for Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. Sunday night game coming up between the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos. Niners, of course, they now have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback again. Trey Lance's season is over with the ankle injury. Makes me sad, but realistically, San Francisco is going to be fine. Jimmy G has won with this team before. They're familiar with him. They know how to win with him as sort of a game manager type quarterback that doesn't try to do too much. You're going to get Debo Samuel the ball. You're going to get Brandon Ayuk the ball. I like this 49ers offense still. Like I feel pretty good about their ability to go to Denver. 
and score, even though the Broncos defensively have looked pretty good. They held Geno Smith and company to 17 week one. That's not a huge accomplishment. They did lose that game. Last week, nine points they allowed to the Texans, so that's a good defensive effort. But again, that's two offenses that kind of questionable. We don't really know that the playmakers that they would propose in a given Sunday. And in this case, I think you do know with the 49ers who it's going to be. And so I really like 49ers in this game, minus the one and a half. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett may be the worst coach in the NFL. I, I think he sort of did what Adam Gase did, and Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning when he was with the Broncos, I want to say, toward the end, and that makes Adam Gase look really good. He takes some head coaching job and and is completely a buffoon, doesn't know what he's doing. That might be Nathaniel Hackett after the offensive coordinator uh, for the Packers last year that he was ends up coming in, and I don't think he knows how how to run a team with the Broncos. So I don't really like it, even though the Broncos are at home. I just don't think they can win this game, and the spread's only one and a half. So I'm taking the road team 49ers. 44 and a half points, Russell Wilson, a good dynamic 49ers offense. You'd think that would be enough to get me to go over. And I think at the end of the day, it will be. I'm going to go 49ers 27, Denver 20 to clear the 44 and a half. But I don't feel very good about that Russell Wilson offense. Maybe this is a game that he breaks out and ends up being a really entertaining game on Sunday night. uh, And that would be a win for everybody. So for that reason alone, it would make sense to go over. But I do think 27-20, Niners get it done. And that clears the 44 and a half. And then we've got the Monday night game between the Cowboys and the Giants. This one is tricky. The Giants feeling real good about themselves right now with that 2-0 record tied for first in the NFC East. I don't know that anybody saw that coming, but they beat the Titans week one. That was a good win against a team that kind of doesn't know what it is right now for Tennessee. So I think that's partially to blame. And then you beat the Panthers, just hold on by three. Again, that's another one where you're like, I that's not a very impressive win. It's nice that that was on your schedule and that's what happened. I just don't think I have to worry that much if I'm the Cowboys in this game. I get that it's on the road, but at this point, it's a one-point spread. I just, the Cowboys are underdogs by a point. I don't I don't see it that way. 39 and a half, yeah, it's going to be low scoring. I think it could be kind of a grind sort of game, but to that level, I don't know about that. I'm going to say it goes over the 39. I'm going to say Dallas wins the game. Like offensively, they were they were fine against uh, Cincinnati, and I don't know that the Giants have that much better of a defense. I get it's on the road. I get it's a divisional game, but I feel decent enough about the Cowboys' ability to get it done in this one. I'm going to go with 24 for Dallas. Maybe one extra field goal, though. It's only like 23. 23 for Dallas, 21 for the Giants. I'm not sure exactly how the Giants get to 21. I don't think it's with three straight touchdowns, but that's sort of what I'm feeling. Over the 39, and the Cowboys get the win, despite being undrunk by a point. So that's going to do it for this edition of the B-Shape Daily NFL Picks. Thank you guys for following along. Let me know at for 12 who you like this week, and we'll kind of compare and see how things go when we recap things a week from now. So thank you guys once again for listening. Keep an eye out for more fantasy football podcasts as well as we work our way through those, get some players, get some thoughts out. I know you guys sent me some tweets, and I want to make sure to get to all of that coming up. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.